Welcome to Sit Down and Cheer, episode 82. Hey, you're at the office and you're faced with the biggest decision of the day. That's lunch. Sure, you could settle for those leftovers, or you could go to Buffalo Wild Wings, where the B-Dub's Fast Break Lunch Menu has mouth-watering specials daily starting at $5.99. Make the safe bet. Go to B-Dub's Buffalo Wild Wings Wings Beer and Sports. Today, our co-host wannabe is Paul Ralston. Paulie, you're uh, you're number two on the roster here in terms of uh, co-hosts that want to do this thing, and I don't know what the uh, what the allure is to be a co-host of this uh, what seems to be bi-monthly type podcast here. But uh, first off, welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, yeah, we got some good news uh, that we'll talk about uh, for the most of this podcast. Yeah, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad to be Should on. we take phone calls to this uh, thing? I, I don't think we want to open that up, do we? That'd be very dangerous. Uh, first of all, love the new surroundings. The last time I did this show was as a guest for you and Jason, and I was in the depths of Ralph Ingolstead Arena. Love Ralph Ingolstead Arena. Yeah. No doubts. But this, you know, this scene right and here. And that's what we had to pepper you about the choke job, right? Yes, yeah, yeah that was uh, quite a, an illuminating. You think how many years ago that was now? I mean, yeah. that's a long time. It shows up on my time hop every year. So, oh, yeah. well, I'm glad I can. I'm glad I can help you, whatever that means. Uh, of course, I was in a staff meeting the other day, and I think I asked, "What does go live mean?" And everybody just the, the room stopped, and everybody's head snapped around in the meeting. So, uh, welcome to this thing that, that apparently the young people like to call podcast. Yeah, he's got podcast. his fingers in the air with the air quotes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're uh, we had Darren Looker on last time we did this. Um, I know you expressed an interest in doing this somewhat, at least helping out. So. We've uh, we've had our fun on the air doing basketball. You know what? Actually, you 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 qualify now as a longtime uh, basketball guy uh, yeah. for UND, right? How long I, you been doing it now? It's been over ten start, years. Started with the women in '05. Yeah, and uh, then took so you're over the up men. On 15, like, huh? not, yeah. Wow. So isn't that crazy? Um, and I'm very proud to be. I, I love the fact that I'm have had the opportunity to uh, be involved with both programs and and and. There's just so many wonderful people that I've gotten to meet and interact with and so many great talents that I've gotten to follow. Uh, maybe that's the biggest thing that I get to take away from everything and maybe be spoiled about is that I get to watch p- certain players yeah. in their careers. I mean, whether it be Matty Buck on the on the women's side or, or Carissa Johnner or Carla Beck and Langan and Kimbrough. I mean, yeah. really special talents. Uh, and then on the on the men's side, from Troy Huff to Quentin Hooker, I mean, all, all those guys, it's it's really special. Well, you talk about you're coming up on your 15th season, and Tim's been doing it for, what, 40 years now. Yeah. There's a reason that people don't unseat themselves from those jobs because <laughs> they're fun, right? And, exactly. you, you know, you get to be, you know, right on uh, – you know, right there in in the midst of the action and traveling with the team and all that stuff. I mean, only an idiot would give that up. Uh, pe- so uh, <laughs> I guess I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, well pe- people people would uh, insist here listening to this brief conversation about unseating. It's not for a lack of trying, they would tell me on my part uh, several <laughs> years ago. Uh, but, you know, in all reality, I, I think I, actually what they should do, just literally not give you a seat and then yeah, yeah. make you call the game <laughs> standing the whole time. You know what? I, I do have uh, ability to work wirelessly and, and walk up and down the sideline. Now, that would be interesting. That would be fun watching you pace up and down stairs <laughs> as well, we're shooting free throws with five seconds on the clock. I have a feeling, yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't let me be on the sideline because I'd be running into Coach Jones, who's never who never sits down. Yeah, and uh, and then Coach Brew would uh, be like, 
what are you doing around here? Uh, <laughs> can you go around my higher chair? Which yeah, which is, which is an interesting thing. And I will say this about all the um, places that we visited this year. By and large, they accommodated with a higher chair on the sideline in a lot of places. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Brew had back surgery this yeah. year and uh, probably should have not been in airplanes and buses and whatnot. And he, uh, you know, he likes to go to his own drummer. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he did. He needed a, a higher chair along with mm-hmm. some crutches. And he didn't always use those either. But uh, yeah, he they uh, it was pretty cool to see around the league that people accommodated his needs there so well and that that's one thing i mean we've got lots to talk about today certainly uh and there's a big announcement that will be probably the feature in the meat of this but first year in the summit league my observations are this it's, it's going to be very tough and competitive you better bring it yeah uh but but i do i you know the first thing i took away was the summit league tournament is to be cherished it's it's really an atmosphere that if you're a student athlete you want to be a part of you want to make memories you want to make uh, or you know, make your road in that tournament. May, you know, you want to stay in there as long because it's it is a great atmosphere. It's right. certainly special, uh, and you know, you can just kind of learn things along the way about the various people throughout the league. And and uh, you know, I think some were happy to see us, and others were like, mm, you know, not so much. Yeah. Let's be honest. But uh, but it, you know, I I enjoyed year one of the Summit League. It certainly was a, a learning year for me. We always get into the rivalries. We always get into the travel schedule. Those are the two things we always talk about when we talk about moving to the Summit. And with this caveat, I'll ask this. I didn't watch a lot of Big Sky basketball, but how much better is the Summit League? Oh, uh, from game to game and from team to team, it's uh, there, there's very little leeway that's given on a given day. Because here, the problem with, with the Big Sky with, on the, or on the, on the Summit League on the men's side, excuse me, was especially this year, there were some teams that all five players were legitimate high-end scorers. So if you took away one one night, then the other four were just going to avalanche you. In the big sky, I always felt like, and this was was a great thing about Coach Jones, who's very good, and I'll, I'll tip my cap to him and what he does, is he's always really able to scout another team really well. Right, he watches and a lot of videos. Exactly, yeah. and so he really has an idea of how to stop other teams' best players, for the most part, other than Mike Dom, but who does stop right. Mike Dom, right? But the, the thing about it is he's really able to dial up, and in the big sky, that was really successful because... In the Big Sky, there was one or two or three players that you could really lock in on and really make teams uh, uncomfortable in that sense. What hurt, I think, North Dakota at times this year, just from general looking back at the season, teams like Omaha didn't give you that opportunity. They put five, six players on the floor, you know, whoever they brought wait, up wait, the bench. Wait, wait, they got six on the exactly. floor? Exactly. It seemed that way. <laughs> it seemed that way. Power play in the summit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, and, and certainly South Dakota State was the same way. But that's what was the difference to me from the Big Sky to the Summit League, and, and that's a credit to the Summit League, but also the Summit League tournament is a completely different entity, and, and I'm looking forward to continuing to uh, you know, explore it and be down there for a, a longer uh, a longer stay next time. Yeah, from all accounts, that tournament is all it's cracked up to be. I mean, everybody supports it, and, and once UND gets back to where they're supposed to be at the top half of that league or top mm-hmm. three of the league, then the fans will follow. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think it just in getting people down there and, and kind of uh, – an opportunity to experience it a little bit. The, the problem is is that the South Dakota State Jackrabbit fans, they really buy up a lot of tickets. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And and so when you have an opportunity to grab a ticket, do. And what's great about it, you can drive down and 
and enjoy it. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and catch both the men's and the women's. Yes. And they support the women's as well. I, I mean, how good of a league was the summit on the women's side? You look at South Dakota, who's going to lose one player from that team uh, next year. Yeah. And then South Dakota State, what they did, and going to the Sweet 16, had a player drafted in the WNBA draft last night. I mean, it's just kind of uncharted territory for us in the Division One era. So I think, uh, you know, you always use the, uh, the adage that uh, – you know the high tide sinks all, or you know raises all ships, oh, and I believe absolutely. that uh, absolutely. Um, you know the thing that the challenge this year was those Summit League teams were always our non-conference opponents, and so we really had to do a lot of traveling in the non-conference sector. And I don't know if that sapped the energy or if it just didn't create a lot of momentum going into the conference season, but. I'm interested to see how how things uh, shake out next year. I, I think it will be, you know, there'll be adjustments made. There there will be. I mean, uh, we saw adjustments made in our early years of the Big Sky. They learn. They figure out what travel, different travel, the places to stay. Although in Macomb, Illinois, there aren't a lot of choices of places to stay. Yeah. Like we didn't really like this place. Let's stay at the other. That's not quite how it works. Um, but they do have a high V there, though. So that's they do solid. And uh, and I. People know well, who listen to the radio program that I'm on in the morning uh, sometimes make fun the fact that we pregame at high V or pregame with high V. And actually, even though I may say it jokingly, it is actually delicious. <laughs> so uh, I don't mind when we do because yeah. usually it's a great meal. Yeah. So, well, let's transition into our Hall of Fame class being announced uh, today as we as we do this. So um, five individuals and a team, and I just think. Uh, you and I have been around for a long time. We saw some of these players uh, do their thing and, and heard about a lot of the other ones. So let's get right into the basketball things. And I think you don't you don't usually have a someone that kind of headlines the group, but I think it was long overdue for Coach Gene Roebuck to get into this thing. <laughs> and uh, obviously he now has three teams in as well as his 98-99 team is going in with him. I think it's just perfect timing in the fact that he's going in. His last of the of the ter- of the t- uh, title teams is going in, and uh, it's just I think it just kind of puts a big bow on how great those '90s teams were. It's uh, remarkable uh, for Gene Roebuck when I ever get around him. Uh, he he was super great to me, and and for as challenging as sometimes as Coach Roebuck could be to work with, because he had his own things and and uh, he was very set in his ways, and that's okay. I I grew with it, and and he was. You talked about me doing UND basketball as long as I have, he he was the one I started with, right. was Coach, Ro- Coach Roebuck, so he means a great deal to me. Um, here's a guy, I mean, he won 80, almost 82% of his games. That's ridiculous <laughs> when you think about it, and especially when you go back to when, uh, you know, he just started the program basically at their echelon that they're at now. They had to take some lumps uh, early on. Yes. And, and and oh, by the way, they had to face a team that was 75 miles south. That what did they win five NCAA titles in the 90s as well? So it's not like they were in an easy conference and just racking up W's. They were in the conference in uh, Division Two. Of Division Two, they were in the King of Kings, essentially yep. of uh, conferences in Division Two. You know, the one thing is, is that yeah, he was a tough coach, and but his players during that run of success were tough players. Really, they. They didn't mind giving Coach Roebuck, uh, you know, something a little back, basically. They'd give him a stare or whatever back yeah. at him if he'd give him a stare. That's what's so interesting about Coach Roebuck is he would – he, number one, had a great eye for talent and what it would take to successfully build a team. Number two, he had a way of finding the right triggers for each players to succeed and give their best of their talents 
on the floor. But he also kind of knew like when to put an arm around him, when to just let him go. Yeah. And it, it, that's a real neat skill to have. I don't think people realize just how much of how uh, he immersed he was and how he had all the pieces flowing. It wasn't just having the great talent. It was part of that, certainly. But there's more that goes into it, and that's what I appreciate more and more about running into Coach Roebuck uh, over the years. I was able to sit down with him earlier this fall for a documentary piece, and it, and it was just fantastic sitting with him. But was what was more impressive is just his relationship with those players to this day. Yeah. Um, it, it is really remarkable. That's not always the case. People don't realize that some players move off. That's a core group that tells you why they were su successful as they were. Number one, they all had their relationship with Coach Roebuck, but number two, they all still keep in touch with one another. That relationship is still going, just like the 87 hockey team, just like the 2000 team that was back together here uh, right. this past fall. Those teams have special bonds, partly because of their championships and success, but they were also special bonds that carried them to those championships. We're going to talk more about that 20th anniversary, the chance for you to catch up with some of those players as well as Coach Roebuck, but I wanted to touch on the point where you mentioned that he just knew when to do certain things as a coach. And I think people that are reading this press release here today may not even realize that he was a baseball coach at UND as well. And a successful one as well got us to our only World Series appearance in Division Two. So the guy just knows how to how to get the best out of you, I guess is the best it, way to put it. it right? It's exactly right. He, he just has a knack of getting the best out of every player that he seems to come across. And, and you know, when you're picking your talent – uh, you have to kind of know how far can I push this guy when he arrives or this uh, lady when she comes on campus, how far can I push him uh, you know, before it becomes uh, contrary to the purpose that we're trying to get to here. Yeah. And he had a great knack for that. And I think a lot of people from a, a perspective of just being off to the side, a bird's eye view, maybe just being a fan, like how would I ever play for that guy yeah. or whatever. But the players that did, both baseball and basketball, will tell you to this day, yes, it was tough at times, but it was so fun at times yeah. uh, as well. And so that speaks a great deal to Coach Roebuck. Here's the thing. Uh, whoever's – I can't remember, was it uh, form, uh, Sean Johnson who was around here called him like the mayor of North Dakota? And it's very true. When I go out to North Dakota and I tell people that I did women's basketball, uh, most people say, well, you know Gene Roebuck. I'm like, well, I know Gene Roebuck from yay way back. And I'm like, from Belva, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, in, <laughs> we're in so and so North Dakota. We're in like the old Crigador near Wolford. And some guy's talking to me about Gene Roebuck. And I'm like, okay. He's a legend. <laughs> He's yeah. a legend. Yeah. Not just here, but through the state of North Dakota. People just know him. And Gene had that knack of being a small-town guy that uh, was able to connect with just about everybody in the state. Yeah, and you look at some of the players that he had on those teams. I mean, just a ridiculous amount of talent. And it was a lot of local talent as well. Obviously, Jenny Krause came here for the aviation program, so she was kind of the transplant in the group. But so many kids from North Dakota, from Minnesota, that he just was able to get the most out of them. And they had four kids on that 98-99 team that were all conference. Mm. I mean, think about that. That's yeah. just that's kind of silly, isn't it? You know, you look at, uh, you know, Jamie Pudens. Is actually, you think about it, she's considered far away for that group. And that was only Jeffers, Minnesota. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just yep. down the road, right? And Tiffany as well. Uh, but, yeah, you had your Cammie Wingers, your Chrissy Supers, your Katie Richards, Tanya Jones. Yep. I mean, they're all from the neighborhood. They knew growing up that what they were stepping into uh, was a program on the rise, that it was – reaching the pinnacle, becoming oh so close in some of those years of the, I'd call, growing pains. Because remember, who was the big bad bully for 
you know, those early years there in the early 90s and that you could tell that North Dakota was getting to the precipice that Coach Roebuck, you know, was kept getting there, getting there, getting there and hadn't quite got there. But this group of players, I think they were all in high school during those years or, you know, early early years and they saw the UND thing, especially the local players we just mentioned, and they were like, hey, it's our turn now. And they really embraced that and, and, and uh, grabbed the reins on it and, and led them to three straight national titles. Yeah, as I think about that now, maybe that's uh, that's the recipe that, that Brew uh, can use here, and, and he has used his, his success already thus far. You know, Matty Buck from Bismarck, uh, getting Lexi Claybo out of, out of, out of Fargo. Yeah. Next year he's got three kids that were all Miss Basketball finalists in North Dakota, so the question becomes: Can you win the Summit League with North Dakota kids? I think you, you probably can. Certainly, if you if you surround them with with uh, you know other kids that at, at need positions. But yeah, I think uh, the basketball world uh, in North Dakota, especially at like the Class B level, like it it's it's like a, a whole different thing, right? Like yeah. people just oh, yeah. love the Class B tournament. Right. We just finished up here. Obviously, you do too, because yes. you know you're, I grew, I grew you're up a champion now. Yeah, yeah, I, I grew up in your a B, B town, and 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 you know certainly a lot of pride in that. Uh, by the way, I better they may not be a B town long. I mean, that's a fast growing city. It is it? a it is a fast growing community. Can you call it a city now? Or? I don't think I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> by the way, I better mention Alicia Cabanek from Fargo too. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, sorry, Alicia, I love you. I, if I admitted you, uh, <laughs> no, she was one of my favorite players. players. Absolutely, like, hey, we all grew up watching those teams, and yeah. that was one of those things where I, I can't wait to bring my daughter to some of those games and, and yeah. let them grow up in that scenario. Like, you know, that you can you can do this. To your point on the players incoming that are going to be state players you look at south dakota and south dakota state their cores they have high-end kids either out of south dakota or northern nebraska yeah and i think there are enough players at least getting two three players that can really be a core if they're from north dakota and take that pride in it just like a maddie buck did just like you know like jossie bergen and elise ca when they were here playing it means a lot to them, and they and Lexi when she's here, when she was here, yeah. um, there's something to that. It means more when you put that jersey on, and I, I certainly believe that that uh, this women's basketball program with that core, that North Dakota core that's arriving, I think it's encouraging here for years to come. Yeah. So Gene, one of the individuals, obviously going in as a coach for both basketball and baseball, and this next guy, another guy I grew up watching, Lee Davidson, oh. and I can't believe this is another guy that how did he not get in already? He's fifth. All time at UND in points, 202 points, and you think about 202 points. You know, the guy that led us in scoring this year had 10, yes. had 10 goals. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's a completely different era, and I get that. But uh, I mean, this guy was just super fun to watch. Obviously, his freshman season, he leads him to the national championship, 87. Like you want to talk about all of the, like all the great players on the on those teams. Yeah, he gets forgotten just because you've got you know Herkus and Joyce and all those other guys, but. What, what for, gets forgotten, and this is a perfect point for Lee Davidson to come in, in 86-87 in that team, and we, we talk so much about Tony Herkus, Bob Joyce, Steve Johnson, Ian Kidd. Ian Kidd. Uh, Eddie Belfour, Belfour, right? What gets forgotten is is that they had guys that were like Mickey Krompetich, uh, Perry Nakanekshini, uh, all these guys within. But then there was the freshman class, and Lee Davidson was one of them. And believe it or not, that freshman class – played a key role especially a few of them and lee was one of them a uh, big solid good skating forward uh who just you know found his role in that season in that championship championship season and contributed to the success and then he had a wonderful career 
80 goals. I mean, that's, right. yeah, fantastic. So freshmen playing big roles. Uh, that sounds familiar to a 2016 team, yeah, right? exactly. And hopefully it's part of the 2020 team for next year. I mean, right. maybe there's a there's some cor- uh, correlation here. But, yeah, I mean, the, the things that Lee Davidson did while on campus, I mean, uh, it gets lost in the shuffle just because after his freshman season, you know, 88, 89, 90, yep. they, didn't, they didn't make the tournament 90 and what have you, the team didn't have the success that, that they were grow used to at the end of the late 90s. But uh, just as an individual, that guy was just really fun to watch. Well, you think uh, another one on that team was Brent Bobick was a, yeah. you know his teammate. And, and just yep. it was just a really great class, and, and Lee was probably at the top of it uh, from Winnipeg, Manitoba, just up the road. You talk yep. about local players again. Gino, uh, you know, got local talent when he could. And, and Lee was one of those players, and he arrived here and got to be a part of something incredibly special. And I know the subsequent teams didn't win national titles, but there were some very good teams with some very outstanding players in that era, and uh, and he was one of them. And so for the fact that he didn't go in, I didn't even know that. Right. <laughs> so, so, so. He got to, you know, and he got to come back and coach as well. So he coached yeah. with Dean uh, for that 2000 um, team, and... Yeah, it was just it was really fun to to follow his career. So Lee Davidson, one of the second individuals here, and then we've got some other players that uh, you know. This next player, um, I, I, it's kind of old school in how he got in. I'm talking about Robert Tofty. Yeah, doesn't have the accolades in terms of stats. You know, we talk a lot about Saber metrics now, where we know everything about every kid that ever played. <laughs> and, you know, pass breakups and sacks and all this other stuff. They didn't have that in the '60s. I mean, they basically just said, okay. He was the one of the best players on the defense, and they only gave up 108 passing yards a game. They only gave up eight passing touchdowns a whole year one time. And so, like, basically it was you don't throw to that side of the field if he's on. It was one of those type things. And all of his cohorts in the 60s basically said, this is a guy we've kind of been sleeping on. we got to get him in. And it was kind of nice to see the the inner workings of it to see how, uh, how all that came together. Well, I think – in today's day and age, that's gonna—that's always going to be the toughest thing now going back to a certain point for those that may have been inadvertently uh, missed uh, earlier in this Hall of Fame thing because so often we rely on stats, and thankfully the old guard that was part of this era stepped up and said, hey, 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 you missed this guy. We need this guy to really get consideration to get him in. He meant so much. He was part of so many special things. I mean, I'm looking at the little write-up here. The pecan bowl. The pecan <laughs> bowl. The mineral water bowl. I yeah. mean, uh, like those were the kind of the big things to get to back in the day, yep. essentially, during that era. So uh, he was part of these. He was uh, instrumental in these things. Like I say, the numbers may be hard to find and quantify, but sometimes we don't need that if, if there's that group of players and people that were around that certainly saw it they they know better than anyone in fact if, if you know oftentimes i like to just to sit and be a fly on the wall when those guys are talking <laughs> right. because you you learn so much basically yep. and then you realize that they weren't playing with the pads that people had back in these days and i like how you described him apparently he was primetime Deion sanders <laughs> they took away half the field essentially so yeah. that's pretty neat I, I got a chance to talk to Corey Kohlhauer, of course, the quarterback of all those good teams in the 60s, um, on some of the road trips that football made this year. And, yeah, he talked a lot about I mean, he's basically the, 
the he's still the leader of that group. So yes. like he he gets everybody rallied uh, in whatever cause that they have, and <laughs> and certainly this was a, a good cause for Bob. And you know I don't think maybe we probably talk enough about the defense that that was so good back then because they had such a good offense mm-hmm. led by Corey. But yeah, the some of the numbers that ended up coming out of that thing, 108 passing yards a game. That's ridiculous. Like that's basically shutting down any kind of passing attack that you have. And that's, you know, that's back when there was some, you know, the passing was just starting to getting going. But we were still in a very good league. And so somebody that was all-conference twice says a lot about how good he was. No doubt. Uh, I think you mentioned something here. And, if Corey, if you end up listening to this podcast, I'm going to call you the Encyclopedia Britannica of 1960s University of North Dakota football. And I say that in the biggest compliment because we need you and we need your uh, fellow teammates and stuff like that for stuff like this because we have to rely on your insight and your knowledge of uh, one of the great eras of of University of North Dakota college football. Yep. So back in the 60s, of course, you mentioned the the two bowl wins. He was a captain as well. Um, You know, a two-time All-NCC, and that's – you know, maybe all conference doesn't have the panache that it used to, but everybody I've talked to from that era said that used to be a big deal because, you know, this was before they had like a lot of the all American teams that they have now for small colleges. So that was the thing that, you know, that was the thing that you shot for was all conference. Oh, no doubt about it. So congratulations to Robert Tofty, who's uh, I'm long overdue, but we're glad this coming fall, it's going to be a big night for him. Yeah, and it was nice to see that amongst the five people that got in that there was some diversity there in terms of different sports, including sports that are no longer uh, available at North Dakota, and, you know, that includes uh, Tisha Yancer. She's one of the one of those swimmers that you can look at their All-American list and just think, how do we get all these people in the Hall of Fame? There's so many people here that are deserving. And, again, you have somebody – like a Mike Stromberg, former coach and longtime, uh, you know, benefactor for UND. Yeah. You know, he obviously had a big list there. These people need to see some consideration. And, and I really credit the tough job for the seven people that are on that board to be able to figure out and vote for some of these people because they had some conversations about how do we do this and how do we do that, which ones need to go in. And, and it's, it's a tough job, and it's something I, I would not want to do, certainly, because, one, I think I'm still a little bit too young. I haven't seen a lot of these people in person, so it would be really tough to kind of farm out which one, you know, it's one of those things. It should be a Hall of Fame. It should be very hard to get in. Yes, absolutely. I agree. It should be very hard to get in. You talk about uh, Tisha, you know, three-time NCC champ. Uh, he, that was during an era of Division II swimming and diving for the University of North Dakota where it almost seemed that they were setting PRs every time you looked up. Yeah. I mean, that program, both on the men's and the women's side, were so competitive that I remember because this is an era – like, I, I arrived on campus in 95, but I was growing up outside of town, and it was such a strong program that they were always pushing one another. And, you know, the net was the next one up. Oh, you set that record? I'll yeah. set this record. And it was near the beginning of their complete domination. Yes. Like, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like 22 straight for the women, mm. 17 out of 19 for the men. Those are off the top of my head, but it was where the expectation was you were going to win the conference on both sides. And to, to talk about her, I mean, yeah, so she was a runner-up in the 100 breaststroke uh, three times. Nationally. I mean, nationally. Yeah. I mean, best of the best. Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredible that the type of uh, swimmers that we had here, and he, she is just one of them that was, like, headlining things back then, and, and it was the beginning of, 
uh, an era that is probably unprecedented unpre uh, in any sport hardly at the University of North Dakota. Yeah, and for people that don't really follow swimming or know a lot about swimming, she was one of the best breaststrokers we've ever had on this campus and certainly just dominated the you know the sprints the 100 the 200 she did the im for a bit so she was you know 17 all america awards <laughs> basically tells you everything you need to know about how good she was i'll just say this i just sink like a stone so you know <laughs> i just I, I i'm impressed anybody can do anything in that pool but uh, i you know again yeah 17 all american honoree that 17 time that is just um I like how they put it in there. Sixth most in UND women's swimming history. Yeah. <laughs> Which you look at it and you're just like, wow. <laughs> you know, well, that's pretty good, but that's there's five others yeah. that are really, you know, oh, that's incredible. Uh, I'm so glad that we're going to get her back and, and uh, just a fantastic, fantastic uh opportunity to, to see somebody who has excelled at the highest level. And that's the challenge, right? Uh, you're a 17-time All-American. You're not in yet. Like, what if you're somebody that's at 15, 14? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. your resume doesn't look as good simply because you had teammates that were just racking up stupid amount of numbers. Do you know one thing I've noticed here, having attended uh, the Hall of Fame night for a number of years, I actually have hosted and emceed the event a couple of times over the years. And... Um, for the ones that maybe have gone in a little later than maybe anticipated, uh, and it never seems to be on their minds. Um, in fact, perhaps the, oftentimes they're the most eloquent and uh, most deserving, and, and they really are just really humble about their opportunity. They don't, they've never dwelt on the fact that, well, maybe I should have went in 10 years ago or something like that. that right. Um, I've never seen that come across. I've just seen no, no tos. In the yeah, group. Okay, I just seen yeah. a lot of gratitude, thanks, and just a lot of special. Yeah, the tos. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! But and and that's what it's really about. Like again, at the Hall of Fame uh, banquet here this past fall, you know, so much was made of hockey, and rightfully so. It was a special night with all those guys back. Uh, but I thought it was really neat the cross country thing with Coach Clay and his special team that he had, and I I was sitting at their table and the interaction. Uh, between all the, the 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 teammates was just fantastic. It was wonderful, and it was so special uh, to see. So those are the moments that uh, sometimes maybe we breeze over, but really are the truly special uh, moments of, of Hall of Fame night. Yeah, and you mentioned cross country. That leads us right into our final individual here, Jessica Neva. I don't think people realize how good those teams were, late 90s, early 2000s. You look at, you know, I think they had – they were in top 10 nationally in all four of her years uh, in terms of uh, nationally national finishes, including a runner-up finish as well. So, you know, Jessica was kind of the headliner of that group, 99 to 2004, I believe she finished up uh, in her track career. But uh, obviously a, a fantastic distance, distance runner. And that's something where we've learned after going through the Big Sky experience, it's not the easiest to train for cross country in Grand Forks. It's not easy to recruit kids to want to come to Grand Forks because there's zero elevation. Yeah. Like our literally the only thing you can have in terms of a hill is the Columbia Overpass. I mean, so it's you can recruit kids to Flagstaff, Arizona, where you're in you know seven thousand foot elevation when you're at forty four feet or whatever it is in Grand Forks. The fact that you're recruiting that kind of talent really said a lot about what Dick Clay was doing. Yeah, well, Jessica Neva, yes, uh, full uh, you know full honesty here. Yes, I had a huge crush on Jessica when she was on campus. Uh, you know, but so did everybody else uh, on with Jessica. She was. We'll a provide sweet, Paul's she, digits at the end of yeah, this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, the thing about it is, Jessica was uh, a super talent 
coming out of high school at Jamestown. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of was really excited, and, and she had some different things happen for her in her career before she really was able to kind of uh, hit her stride of as far as where she really wanted to go. And, uh, you know, you talk about, there again, eight-time All-American, four-time NCC champion. Uh, here was a, a Jamestown runner that probably had a lot of opportunities to, you know, maybe run at a more prestigious, you know, with mountains and things like that. Yeah. I'm sure they all came out for her because people knew about her coming out of high school. She comes here to the University of North Dakota. And, again, I, I don't – I'll be curious to see how she describes her journey because I don't think for, for her it, it went just – perfect but you know the numbers would reflect it went perfect and I, I I'm really excited to get a chance to sit and, and hear her her thing and and you know you'd say eight-time All-American it was a absolute easy peasy ride and and for Jessica I think probably it was a lot of hard work and and uh, but also she got to run for one of the truly nice people in the world that I don't think and anybody would ever have anything bad to say about Coach Dick Clay. Right. And uh, that makes things a little bit easier when you have a coach like that is going to really foster you and let you uh, and let you loose. And, and, and Jessica just, you know, thrived here at the University of North Dakota. And it's so good to see her get in. Um, just remarkable numbers from her running perspective as well. I thought <clears throat> when putting this press release together, there was a lot of good timing with some of these players and, and how, how things fit. You know, Coach going, Coach Robot going in with his final title team. And then Neva actually, you know, Dick Clay retiring. It, it'll be cool to have him back. And mm -hmm. just I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people that will come back from his group uh, just to kind of celebrate everyone's accomplishments there. What's really neat is over the, they've done it. One, th one thing that gets missed a lot of times is sometimes our non-revenue sports have really uh, intricate support systems. Um, and cross country is probably one of the best ones around here to talk about from that standpoint is that for moments like that on those nights, it is amazing the support that cross country, they all kind of come together and it's, it's, but they also have things like the Ron pin where they have like alumni events and you're, you won't believe the numbers that will come back. I have a brother-in-law that actually still comes back and runs in, you know, when he has an opportunity, of course, he's got three kids now. I don't think he'll ever run again. Uh, for or leisure, he's running nonstop. Well, he's running nonstop, <laughs> yeah. not for leisure and yes. fun. He's running nonstop uh, after his children. But the thing about it is, is that they are—they all know they're kind of in this club, so to speak. Yeah. And it's a special club because it's not something um, that that a lot of people do. And and they've and they've all excelled and gone through it together. And so it's a special group to be a part of. And then you see it kind of come to fruition on nights like this down the road, ten years down the road, when or or how many every years it might be. Uh, on these nights for Hall of Fame, that's what you'll see again coming up this fall. Another piece on this good timing brings us right into our Tom Clifford Award. It's given to a coach that's succeeding outside of you know high school level, collegiate level, and certainly Carla Nelson embodies that, everything she's done down at MSU Moorhead. 19 years, brought him to the NCAA tournament, I think six times. She's really become a force in that NSIC, but the tie here... She was Coach Roebuck's first recruit, and I think that's a really cool thing for her to go in the same time that Coach does. It's going to be a fun night yeah. uh, for everybody involved, for, especially for those two, because uh, they know each other so well. Yeah, and they and had some battles too. They and did. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, what can you say about Coach Nelson and what she has accomplished in her career? And it's hard to believe it's already been, what, 19 seasons. Yeah. I mean, I feel really old now. Uh, <laughs> I really do. I mean, she has just been a force in the region, and what – really allows her to thrive 
in that level, again, that's Division Two where we came from. Uh, we were in the NCC. They've been in the NSIC. But, again, she does it with a lot of core players throughout the region here, and uh, and, and that's allowed her to, to really thrive with her teams and, and succeed. And, and, again, every year that the Dragons step on the floor, uh, Coach Nelson's led team is usually in the mix for a title. And she built the core of that team uh, – while NDSU is literally in her backyard. Mm. And, you know, so trying to get players to, to, to come and play at that level, obviously they were in the same same division there for, for part first part of her career, but now trying to go against the Division One versus Division Two, I think she's got a good niche there where she's she's had some really phenomenal players, especially in the last few years come through there. It takes a special coach that is in that area to want to continue to keep fighting that battle. A lot of coaches would say, okay, I finally got a little success. I can go to another place where it, I, it's kind of more about just me in this area. But you said it best is that she's carved out her niche yeah. and she's completely comfortable in it and really you know, doesn't try to go outside the line. She just knows this is what we are. We're going to go out and get the players that we can get that makes us successful. And guess what? They are successful nearly all the time. You want to talk about carving out a niche and and doing things his own way. I think that's our honorary letter winner. Oh, Loyal Yankee. Uh, okay, so you may not know the name, but you certainly know the guy. If you've ever been to a UND home game of any event, he's the flag guy. He's the guy with the hat and the boots the cup, and the yes. whole thing. Like he's carved out his niche. That wasn't always his thing. I had talked to him. Like he, it wasn't always. He was just there to support, and he just kind of turned into that super fan. Uh. And everybody knows him now. Like he's he is the guy at UND games, and it was kind of fun. Putting his bio together because he what what does he have? T- he doesn't have stats or anything. He's just the guy we all probably want to be when we <laughs> retire. We want to go to every game and be part of the thing. And obviously, he's he's an icon. And what's what's cool about it is when we hear from student athletes that leave and come back, he, his name gets mentioned more than you probably think. It, it's amazing. Perfect example. Two weeks ago. I'm at senior day for women's tennis at Choice. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be there. It's a non-revenue sport, but, you know, it's a great place to go watch a tennis match, and it is. It really is, yeah. yeah guess guess who's there? <laughs> you know, yeah. Loy- Loyal is there, yeah. and he's doing his thing, and he's super pumped, and he's like, yeah, would you believe it? This pro- You know, I get treated so well by every student athlete's tennis is no different. They're all so happy to see me. Thank you for being here. And I'm like, you know, but you're famous, loyal now. You know right. they they want you to be here, and then I I said I said, well, you're gonna take it easy on on your Sunday. Well, no, I'm thinking about driving down to Omaha because their softball team could maybe use a boost to try win that series. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like what? Like, and he's serious about these things. Right. He doesn't live in Grand Forks. No, he, he doesn't. He yes. is a hot minute away, and so it takes some. It's dedication. I mean, that's uh, lo- loyal to me is. Um, well, I mean, he just embodies his name, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and the thing about it is he doesn't ask for things, and maybe uh, for us uh, that constantly work around him, maybe should give him more. But here, here's the first of many, hopefully, in the future of just things for Loyal, this honorary letter award winner, because he is just a special supporter, and he takes it to a whole new level, one that all our student-athletes seem to gravitate towards yeah. and really harness and, and want to and, and really enjoy and then the fans enjoy it too when he goes racing down the sideline after yeah. a touchdown with the flag flowing and the yeah. boots just chomping down the side i mean that's awesome awesome he's, stuff he's got competition now obviously with the fighting hawk the mascot yes. whatever and and that 
that's geared towards the kids. You're always the flag guy is always going to be a thing. He's always like the best part about it is I've talked to him before. He tried skating. He tried to do that before a women's hockey game. It <laughs> didn't go so hot. I actually had a conversation. It was funny when I came back here in 2012. I was at a swim meet and he's there and he wants to run across the bulkhead with the flag, and I'm just looking at Brian Faison going, I can't have him run across that bulkhead, and he was just like. I'll get in the pool then. I'll just I'll start swimming, and I'm just like, who is this guy? I, I hadn't known him at that point. What is this guy all about? And I just didn't know. Absolute super fan, and it, in it for the right reasons. Like he didn't he didn't want special access. He didn't want like sometimes those people are like, oh yeah, I want autographs from all the people. No, he just literally he wants to support the team to help them win. I'm I'm often amazed. Um, like that that that's the most. Uh, unbelievable type people is that they don't need anything in return. They don't ask for anything in return. All they want to do is be a part of the moment, essentially, yeah. and and express their passion, uh, which is just completely respectable and, and wonderful. I, I just I have so many great things uh, to to say about Loyal. I I just can't thank him enough for making our fan experiences that much better you know i'm always looking at him during basketball games like yeah. seeing how he's doing and right what he where when he's, he's riding at. the exercise bike yeah, before exa- the game exactly right. <laughs> yeah it's it, it's just fantastic so um if we're gonna really cap off this class boy it really gets capped off with him yeah and i think it's gonna be fun like you mentioned that uh you know it'll be fun to hear who comes back coach roebuck obviously is gonna own the speech as part of it just because <laughs> we know him and oh. he'll be unfiltered and and he'll just it'll it'll be a fun time and I, I know loyal won't get a chance to get up there and talk but i i can guarantee you every former student athlete that's there is going to come up and shake his hand and say thanks for supporting us absolutely yeah yeah and and i'm i'm you know when you get into the team side of things here with this 97 98 team with the uh with, with gene going in and and coach roebuck going in uh, I'm I'm curious to see just how many will be able to be a part of that and yeah. um, watch out town if they're all back. <laughs> I'll just put it that way because they tend to have a lot of fun when they're all together and it's wonderful. The one thing I'll say about that era because I was a student uh, during that era and, and, and in town then, and I would go to games and and things of that nature. But uh, you know, two of the people that got to cover them most are no longer with us in, in Jim Bowman and Scott Swigman. Yeah. Uh, the both have passed on and that's maybe this the the sad thing is that really when it gets down to it they probably have the best side stories of all you know yep. of, of of dealing with that team and being able to cover it all the time uh, those two jason has who yeah you know he's still with us but well, he's right. not with us yeah um yeah it's i mean a lot of the the oral stories we're not getting anymore so it's yeah it's when we had the documentary here for the 20-year anniversary they they didn't really do anything Formally, but they've always had something that kind of tied into the Bison game each year. And, sure. And you mentioned it. When they get together, they uh, they, they have a good they time. They have a good time. You know, that's that, and it's okay. That's that's the, that's all part of it. That's uh, a part of the fun. And we hope that those that want to be a part of that Hall of Fame, uh, we saw how in-demand tickets were to get into that thing last year. I yeah. assume it's probably going to be much the same here in, in the fall when this all comes out. And uh, rightfully so. I think it's going to be a special, special class here yet again. It's on a, a Friday, October 4th. October 4th, yep. Yeah, so, it, it, boy, that's a, that's going to be a big weekend. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just am looking forward to all these honorees being able to have their moment. And, I, and, and like I say, knowing the fan base, knowing the Letter Winners Athletics uh, Hall of Fame Association, uh, Brian and, and everybody, uh, they – 
they do an excellent job of putting together an ultimate event, and it has really grown, and it's just something that if you love UND sports, I think you're going to want to be a part of and love the history of UND yeah. sports. So we should give some specifics here. You mentioned October 4th. That's a Friday night, and yet that does usually sell out and certainly will uh, will probably max out again this year just based on who's, who's coming in. So if you want any info on tickets, you can contact Val Sussex. You can call her at 701 777-2611, or you can reach your email, vals at undfoundation.org. Again, uh, it's a great event. Uh, it's over at the Alaris Center, and it's it's a prequel to the homecoming game, which this year will be against uh, UC Davis. So oh, it's a uh, big game, too. Which is part of that 2019 football schedule that's, oh, boy. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, like, we're not ducking anyone no. on the football side of things on the schedule. Uh, you know, you talk about UND Athletics, this is a spring edition. Depending on when you listen to it, uh, things may have happened or are yet to happen. I know uh, t tomorrow, when we're recording this, there'll be a, the final spring practice or spring wrap-up. And they talking to the coaches and the players leading up to it, and I've been to a couple of practices and things of that nature, they're pretty encouraged. The one thing I'll say just uh, in, in the lead-up to that, and we can probably talk about this down the road, is that I was really interested to see just how many players were able to participate in spring practice. A lot of years you have holdouts because they're nursing an injury or coming back off a of surgery. Really that, I mean, that was really minimal this year. And yeah. so I, when I watched practice, I often thought to myself, uh, boy, you got to take, because there's so many guys able to participate, uh, you may not get like as many reps as you have in pre previous spring. So if you're in a p position battle, you got to take advantage of every rep that you get. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that'll be interesting to see because uh, essentially spring football is wrapping up a lot of uh, a lot with HPC now it can wrap up a lot earlier than it used to right and uh, so that's on the horizon too and then we'll get into the uh, you know the Summit League softball right now they're they're trending well uh, with Fighting Hawk softball so that's that's a storyline we'll be watching yep. in the future so hey there's still stuff to follow and then of course with track and field with the Molly Detloffs and the Kylie Fosters of the world that make me feel like. What am I doing with my life? You know, <laughs> truly special student right. athletes. Uh, they're in their outdoor season and campaigns, and they can truly do some special things as well. So it's not over of following UND sports just because some of the major things have happened. There's some great things to follow here in the next several weeks. And so maybe that sets things up here for what we're looking forward to here with some upcoming podcasts. I hope to have some, some football guests so we can kind of go over the spring season and preview things in the fall. Also, we're just now getting our nominations in in terms of our, our uh, awards for our, our Jarrett um, Male Athlete of the Year and uh, our Grace Rodimus Female Athlete of the Year and all of our, our Night of Champions event coming up here April 30th. So as we have each of the last three years, I believe, we've had the, uh, the, uh, the Male and Female right. Athlete of the Year on our podcast. Hopefully we can do that again. Uh, they don't always work out schedule-wise, and certainly if someone's already bolted from campus, uh, it's hard to do that. But we'll definitely try and uh, talk more about that uh, after that April 30th event, which is downtown at the Empire. It's a really cool thing that they've kind of made. It's almost like an Oscars night it is. Uh, for the student-athletes. Everybody and, gets dressed yeah. up. If uh, I mean, the, the, the male student-athletes are oftentimes wearing suits or at least jackets and tie and how often do you see that anymore and yeah. I tell you what the, uh, the lady student athletes oftentimes they don't have any ch chances to get out there and they're all dressed to the nine so everybody's looking good and having a good time and celebrating another year of, of UND athletics uh, first and foremost this is my first time being at the Buffalo Wild Wings edition as I mentioned and uh, 
I never tried the lemon pepper dry seasoning until just the other day when I was here. <laughs> Love it. If you haven't tried it, try it. And, uh, of course, their menu and, and everything has kind of shifted in recent weeks and months here. So it's a, it's a little different feel here. I can actually get carrots now with my <laughs> ranch when I for, with my wings. So, hey, Buffalo Wild Wings, we're glad. Thank you for having me. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. That'll wrap things up here. So uh, thanks again for, for being the, the co-host wannabe here. We'll have some other uh, people throw their name in the hat. And uh, I know it's, it's just been our relationship, how we've been, uh, you know, been around each other here for a long time. But you were the perfect person to have for this just because we can talk about some of these people that – we watched, uh, we watched play. Uh, it, that's the most special thing about it. this class is that I can relate to so many of them because I either watched Lee when I was actually a kid uh, and, and was going to games and thinking they were, like, the biggest of the big. I didn't even know if there was NHL back then. I, that's yeah. what kind of kid I was. It started and ended with UND hockey. So, uh, yeah, so this is a, a special day when uh, an announcement like this comes out and the class is announced, and then uh, that allows us to, to anticipate a wonderful night ahead in October to see this class come to fruition. And then we'll have more to talk about in the future. But thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. You got it. Well, it is Thursday. And unless you're sitting at the stadium, you should be at Buffalo Wild Wings with us for 60-cent boneless wings. They're juicy, all-white meat boneless wings spun in any one of your favorite signature B-dub sauce. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, every Thursday, they're on special and now just for 60 cents. Get to B-dubs this Thursday. 60-cent boneless wings, Buffalo Wild Wings, is your official hangout for NCAA sports. Prices vary by location. Let's eat.